Chapter Ten of the Avalanche. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Avalanche by Gertrude Horn Atherton. Chapter Ten, Part One. During the next few days, Ryla saw little of his wife he was obliged to take two business trips out of town and as he could not return until ten o'clock at night he advised her to have company to dinner and take her guests to the play but she preferred to dine with polly roberts and aileen lawton and she spent her days for the most part at burlingame motoring down with one or more of her friends or sent for by some enthusiastic girl admirer already established there for the summer Ryla was quite willing to forego temporarily his plan of personal guardianship as the more she roamed abroad unattended the better could spalding watch her associates the detective had his agents in society as well as in the palace hotel and on the third day he sent a brief note to Ryla announcing that he had lit on to something that would make his employers hair curl but no more a present from yours truly this time he added i'm on the right track and know it no more fancy theories but i won't say a word till i can deliver the goods give your wife all the rope you can price and hélène met briefly and amiably and she did not again broach the subject of the loan for her friend nor did she ask for her jewels it was apparent that she was proudly determined to conceal whatever terrors or even worries that might haunt her but the effort deprived her of all her native vivacity she was almost formal in manner and her white face grew more like a classic mask daily on the evening before the thornton fete however price was able to dine at home they met at table and he saw at once that she either had recovered her spirits or was making an attempt to create the impression of a carefree young woman happy in a tete-a-tete dinner with a busy husband her talk for the most part was of the great entertainment at san mateo the weather promised to be simply magnificent wasn't that exactly like flora thornton's luck the immense grounds were simply swarming with workmen wagon-loads of all sorts of things went through the gates after every train simply one procession after another but no one else could so much as get her nose through those gates hélène with all her old childish glee related how she and aileen polly who apparently had forgotten her impending doom and two or three other girls had called up mrs thornton on the telephone every ten minutes for an hour pretending it was long distance to make sure of a personal response and begged to be allowed to go over and see the preparations until finally in a towering rage her ladyship had replied that if they called her again she would withdraw her invitations how we did long for an airship it would have been such fun for she does so disapprove of all of us thinks us a little flock of silly geese well we are i guess but wasn't she one herself once she has a pretty hard time even now making life interesting for herself out here anyhow yesterday we motored down to menlo and dropped in at the maynards there were a lot of the props of san francisco society all as rich as croesus sitting on the veranda 
crocheting socks or sacks for a crop of new babies that are due one or two were hemstitching lawn or embroidering a monogram or something else equally useless or virtuous they were talking mild gossip and didn't even have powder on it was ghastly Ellen, said ruyler abruptly what do you think is the secret of happiness i mean of course the enduring sort perhaps content would be the better word happiness is too dependent upon love and love was never meant for daily food you are not by nature frivolous and you are capable of thought have you ever given any to the secret of content yes work she answered promptly everybody should have his daily job prescribed either by the state or by necessity but something he must do if both he and society would continue to exist ruyler elevated his eyebrows and looked at her curiously socialism i didn't know you had ever heard of it aileen and i are not such fools as we look as you were good enough to intimate just now we went to a series of lectures early last winter over at the university on socialism a lot of us formed a class but all except aileen and i dropped out we continued to read for a time after the lectures were over but of course that didn't last one drops everything for want of stimulus and when one begins to flutter again one is lost but i had heard and read and thought enough to deduce that the only vital interest in life after one's secret happiness which one would not dare spread out too thin if one could in this american life is necessary work well done and that is quite different from those fussy interests and fads we create or take up for the sake of thinking we are busy and interested polly's mother once told me she never was so happy in her life as during those weeks after the earthquake and fire when all the servants had run away and she had to cook for the family out in the street on a stove they brought down from a little shop in polk street and set up and surrounded on three sides by inside blinds she happened to have a talent for cooking and without her the family would have starved polly tied a towel around her head and did the housework or stood in a line and got the daily rations from the government she never thought once of of what oh of doing anything rather than expire of boredom she and rex had been married a year and were living at home rex and mr carter helped excavate down in the business district as the working class wouldn't lift a finger as long as the government was feeding them there you are their ideal is complete leisure and that of our delicate products of the highest civilization compulsory jobs what does progress mean but the leisure to enjoy the arts and all the finer fruits of progress what else do we men really work for progress has gone too far and defeated its own ends every healthy human being should be forced to work six hours a day that would leave eight for sleep and ten for enjoyment of the arts and luxuries then we really should enjoy them and if we couldn't have them unless we did our six hours stint ennui and the dissipations that it breeds would be unknown i can tell you it is demoralizing disintegrating to wake up morning after morning about ten o'clock and know that you have nothing worth while to do for another day for all the days that you have no place in the world except as an ornament women of limited incomes and a family of growing children have enough to do of course too much they never can feel superfluous and demoralized except by envy 
but as for us why i can tell you it is a marvel we don't all go straight to the devil they were alone with the coffee and she was pounding the table with her little fist her cheeks were deeply flushed and her black sombre eyes were opening and closing rapidly as if alternately magnetized by some ugly vision and sweeping it aside price watched her with deep interest and deeper anxiety a good many women go to the devil he said but you are not that sort oh i don't know i never could get up enough interest in another man to solve the problem in the usual way but there are other resources i well what price sat up very straight oh dance ourselves into tuberculosis she said slightly and dropping her eyelashes and tuberculosis of the mind certainly on the whole i think i prefer physical to spiritual death however i found out one thing today the dancing is to be out of doors there will be an immense arbor or something of the sort erected on the lawn above the sunken garden my gown is a dream and i shall wear the ruby yes he said smiling you shall wear the ruby but you must expect me to keep very close to you the closer the better she smiled charmingly have you tried on your costume i haven't looked at it who am i caesar borgia you are not much like him yourself darling but i thought he was not so very unlike modern american business as a whole ruyler laughed why not machiavelli but as no doubt it is black velvet much puffed and slashed i may hope it will be becoming to my nondescript fairness you must promise not to wander off for long walks with any of your admirers not that i fear the admirers but the thieves that are bound to get into that crowd one way or another they have a way of unclasping necklaces even of the most circumspect wives in the company of not too absorbing men her eyes opened and flashed but he had no time to analyze that fleeting expression before she was promising volubly not to wander from the illuminated spaces he interrupted her suddenly they were in the library now and sat down on a little sofa in front of the window the moon was high and brilliant and the great expanse of water with the high clusters of lights on the islands the sharp hard silhouette of the encircling mountains the green and silver stars so high above the moving golden dots of an incoming liner from japan the long rows of arc lights along the shore made a landscape of the night that mrs thornton with all her millions hardly could rival are you not grateful for this he asked whimsically and a little wistfully oh price dear i am more grateful than you will ever know i have not a fault on earth to find with you you would be the prince of the fairy tale if you were not so busy but that is the tragedy you are busy i am not well let us have the personal solution one that fits ourselves you have time to think it out i alas have not he took her hand and fondled it hoping for her confidence i don't know she had a deep rich voice and she could make it very intense i only know there must must be a change if if i am to can't you take me abroad for a year that might not be work but at least i should be learning something i have traveled almost not at all and at least i should have you but later most of your friends have spent a good deal of time in europe 
I doubt if any state in the Union goes to Europe as often as California They are all the more discontented when they come back here to vegetate as mrs. Thornton would express it It would be a blessed interval, but no more We should have time to think out a new and different life You know in the class I come from in France the women are the partners of their husbands even in the higher bourgeoisie that is where they are still in business or living on great inherited fortunes my uncle had a small silk house in rouen and my aunt kept the books and attended to all the correspondence he always said she was the cleverer businessman of the two but french women have real genius for business some of our great ladies help their husbands manage their estates it is only the few that live for pleasure and glitter in the most glittering city in the world that have furnished the novelists the material to give the world a false impression of france the majority live such sober useful busy lives that only the highest genius could make people read about them of course young girls dream of something far more brilliant and wait eagerly for the husband who shall deliver them from their narrow restricted little spheres perhaps take them to the great world of paris but they settle down even in paris and devote themselves to their husband's interests which are their own and to their children that is it they are indispensable not as women but as partners i barely know what your business is about only that you are in some tremendous wholesale commission thing with tentacles that reach half round the world only the wives of politicians are any real help to their husbands in this country isabel gwynne what a help she will be has been to mr gwynne but then she was always busy when her uncle died he left her that little ranch and scarcely anything else she took to raising chickens not to fuss about and fill in her time but to keep a roof over her head and have enough to eat and wear i doubt if she was ever bored in her life i can't take you into the business sweetheart said ruyler slowly for that would violate the traditions of a very old conservative house but i can quite see that something must be done i married you to make you happy and to be happy myself i do not intend that our marriage shall be a failure it is possible that harold would consent to come out here and take my place the business no longer requires any great amount of initiative but the most unremitting vigilance i have thought it has merely passed through my mind but you might hate it how would you like it if i bought a large fruit ranch several thousand acres and put up a canning factory besides i would make you a full partner and you would have to give to your share of the work considerably more than six hours of the day we could build a large plain comfortable house take all our books and pictures subscribe to all the newspapers magazines and reviews keep up with everything that is going on in the world and have house parties once in a while come to town for a few weeks in summer for the plays we should live practically an out-of-door life if you preferred we could buy a cattle ranch in the south that would mean the greater part of the day in the saddle how does that appeal to you he had turned off the electricity but as he fumbled with his embryonic idea he saw her eyes sparkle and a light of passionate hope dawn on her face oh i should love it but love it especially the fruit ranch 
that would be like france our orchards are as wonderful as yours even if nothing could be as big as a california ranch that is if it would not be a makeshift another form of playing at life i assure you that we will have to make it pay or go to the wall my father would probably disinherit me for it would be breaking another tradition and he compliments me by believing that i am the best business man in the firm at present my only capital would be such of my fortune as is not tied up in the house about a hundred thousand dollars in government bonds of course in time if all goes well and california does not have another setback if business improves all over the world i shall be able to take all the rest of my money out that i put into this end of the business after the fire but that may be ten years hence i shouldn't even ask for interest on it and that would be the only compensation i could offer for deserting the firm perhaps i had better buy a cattle ranch then if we fail i shall at least have the training of a cowboy and can hire out Hélène laughed and clapped her hands fail you but i should help you to make it a success i should be really necessary indispensable either you or another partner no no i shall be the partner and you mean that you will be willing to bury your youth your beauty on a ranch i have heard bitter confidences out here from women forced to waste their youth on a ranch you are one of the fine flowers of civilization that soon wither in the hothouse atmosphere i wish to become a hardy annual and when the ranch is running like a clock we could take a month or two in europe every year or so rather and i could show you off bother i'll not answer the telephone bell on the little table in the corner his own private wire rang so insistently that ruyler finally was magnetized reluctantly across the room he put the receiver to his ear and asked well in his most inhospitable tones the answer came in spaulding's voice and in a moment he sat down at the end of ten minutes he hung the receiver on the hook and returned to find Hélène standing by the window all the light gone from her eyes staring out at the hard brilliant scene with an expression of hopelessness that had relaxed the very fine muscles of her face ruyler was shocked and more apprehensive than he had yet been Hélène he exclaimed what is the matter surely you can confide in me if you are in trouble oh but i am not she replied coldly did i look odd i was just wondering how many really happy people there were behind those lights over on belvedere at sausalito the lights look so golden and steady and sure and glimpses of interiors at night are always so fascinating but i suppose most of the people are commonplace and just dully discontented well I am afraid I have something to tell you that hardly will restore your delightful gaiety of a few moments again I'm sorry, but well the fact is I must leave for the north tomorrow morning and hardly shall be able to return Before the next night. I am really distressed. I Wanted so much to take you tomorrow night and I can't wear the ruby her voice was shrill ruyler wondered if his stimulated imagination fancied a note of terror in it i i am afraid not darling but that spaulding man will be there to watch 
unfortunately i forgot to tell you he cannot go he is on an important case besides when i make a promise i usually keep it but but she stammered as if her brain were confused then turned and pressed her face to the window i suppose nothing matters she said dully perhaps you will let me wear my own little ruby after all that was maman's and she gave it to me before i was married i should like to wear one jewel you shall have all your jewels if you will promise not to give them to polly roberts or anyone else i promise he went over and opened the safe and when he rose with the gold jewel case he saw that she was standing behind him once more it flitted through his mind that she had watched him manipulate the combination several times but he had little confidence in any but a professional thief's ability to memorize such an involved assortment of figures as had been invented for this particular safe it was only once in a while that he was not obliged to refer to the key that he carried in his pocket-book nor was she looking at the safe but staring upward at a maharaja covered with pearls of fantastic size she took the box from his hand with a polite word of thanks offered her cheek to be kissed and left the room price threw himself into a chair and rehearsed the instructions spaulding had given him End of chapter ten